Hello, and welcome to the Gaining Possession Hockey Podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about crazy season. For those of you that might not know what crazy season is, crazy season is right now, it's usually March, and that is tryout season. You know, we just wrapped up championships, uh, league championships, state championships. There's a lot of other hockey leagues at the higher levels that are going through their championship seasons right now. And it just doesn't seem like there's given enough time between celebrating a championship with your team, celebrating making a good run with your team, even just celebrating the, the great season that you had with your team before we're just dumped straight into tryouts. And tryouts, at least here in Michigan, tryouts happen in the spring for a very short spring season. And then we kind of have maybe a month or two off for the summer. And then we're right back at it in the fall. And there are technically fall tryouts, but they really happen in the spring. And so there's a spring tryout, and then there's supposed to be a fall tryout. And I think a lot of teams will put it on the calendar and take your money um, and have you come to the tryout. But maybe they're looking for one player because somebody got hurt or decided to leave or something. But for the most part, spring tryouts are where it's at. That team usually goes, stays unchanged into the fall. So jumping right from your, your, you know, the team that you're currently with straight into, okay, that was fine. Let's go try out for something else. That just, it just seems crazy to me. And that's why I call it crazy season. Um, so let's get into a couple of topics on that. So, so first of all, why try out? What, what are tryouts? What, what, what do they accomplish? And I, I guess I go back to, um, I'm going to have a get off my lawn moment here. Um, I go back to when I played youth hockey, uh, I didn't really have any choices. We had the team. Uh, there was only one team, very small town. Um, and, you know, there was no high school team. We didn't have enough players to have a high school team. So we just had the hockey team. Um, and I believe it was split age group, even like, you know, two age groups together um, that, that kind of advanced through the stages as a team together. And yeah, we would lose or gain one or two players every year, but it was mostly because kids were moving. They were moving out of town. Kids were moving into town. Um, you know, they were deciding that they didn't want to play hockey. They wanted to play basketball, or they were deciding that they didn't want to play basketball. They wanted to play hockey. Um, and, you know, that was it. I, I don't know why we can't get back to that. I, I feel like the competition... And, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I must be on the best team mentality is really making it difficult for teams to stay as teams, build those relationships, you know, gain some rapport, find the ability to know what your teammates going to do before they do it. Um, I played defense most of my career and I, I would get to a point where, I would be with the same D partner, even just for an entire season. Maybe I would have a different D partner the next season. But if I had that same D partner all season, by the end of the season, we were making passes that nobody would expect us to make. 
and we weren't a good team. I'm not saying I was good because I wasn't, but it just comes down to you build, you get to know each other. You, you, you build that relationship with your teammates and your line mates even, right? Right down to a D pairing or a, a forward line that, you know, skates together a lot. Um, you get to know how your goalies work. Um, you know, do, do they hate the, uh, stick side shot? Well, maybe I'll protect the stick side a little better because they're really good with their glove. Just little things like that. You cannot accomplish if people are always jumping teams and tryouts create the opportunity for kids to just jump, 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 jump all over the place. And I don't even blame the kids. So I mentioned this in the intro uh, episode. I'm going to mention it again. I am a parent. Parents are crazy. I don't know what's wrong with us, but we're crazy. And sometimes you'll hear the term jersey chasing. Oh, that team over there, they won states this year. I want to try to get on that team. They must be really good. Is that really the right choice to make? Are you in this for the W's? Or are you in this because you want your kid to have fun? Or are you in this because you want your kid to get better? Um, are you in this because you want to have lifelong relationships and, and friendships with um, you know, the other parents and, you know, your kids and their kids, and they're going to go to school together and they're going to go to high school together. And they're going to, you know, maybe go to college together. I didn't say the word hockey in there anywhere. Right. But that's where some of those are built. That's where some of those relationships are, are really cultivated, I guess. Um, so I'm not sure. I understand that we have to have tryouts, but I'm, I'm not sure if the format is really working. And maybe it's as easy because I hate to present a problem and not a potential solution. So as I think about it, maybe it's a timing problem. Maybe you're not allowed to change teams until fall so that we can wrap up that big fall season. We can go into spring, start um, having a more relaxed kind of shortened spring season, just have some fun tournaments, maybe some four on four tournaments, um, maybe go out of town once because the weather's nicer and, you know, we can, we can go somewhere and the, the weather will be decent, even if it's in the Northern part of the country. Um, but if there was a longer gap of time, I think it might let parents and children and coaches, because coaches and managers, we'll get into that in a second. Um, I think they need time to come down off of the season ending. I mean, some of these teams are having, oh, let's see, what what, what are the names? Um, skill skates or um, uh, evaluation skates or, uh, you know, fun skates. I know I, I've heard some people call them, it's a birthday party. It's a birthday skate, right? Just find somebody on the team that's had a birthday this month and just call it a birthday skate. Um, but what's happening, it, it, there's coaches and managers that are staring through the glass going, hey, let's go talk to that kid, right? Um, so I think if we gave it some more time and waited until fall, fall is kind of the reset moment. Instead of spring being the reset, fall is the reset. Um, if you are down a winger and you need a, a left-handed shot on, you know, on a, on your penalty kill or something. And, you know, so you're looking for one, one upgrade or one skill set to fill or one, you know, maybe you need a big man. Um, 
you know, I, I get that, right? That you can't have the exact same team for 10 years and then roll into high school and go from there. I, I get that. There's going to be changes. But some of these teams, I mean, they're they're rolling over over half their team every year. And uh, I don't see how that's good for the organization, good for the team, good for the players, good for the parents, good for the coaches. Good. I don't see how that's good for anybody. I don't, I don't get it. Um, championships and trophies and W's, um, especially in kind of the competitive levels of even youth hockey, they're very difficult to maintain. If you're going to flop your team, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 kids off your team every year, um, you're just not going to be as good as you were the year before. So instead of the growth of the kids and their abilities and their skating and their hockey sense, we're focusing on, I need to cut the bad kids and somehow attract a bunch of um, superstars, which means now those, you know, superstars that scored a bunch of goals on that other team are now on my team. So now I'm going to go get the W's. Um, and it's it's just it's it's unfair in my opinion, and it's messy, and it doesn't build the right mentality for the uh, players, parents, and coaches to really grow the sport, really grow the skills, and, and really just be good people. And I I think I mentioned that in the intro too. It's like how do we maintain that? Man, hockey just grows really great people. Um, stigma. I want to really maintain that. That's you know that's one of the important uh, important things that I'm trying to accomplish with this podcast is to keep that love of hockey and the faith of hockey um, and the goodness of hockey people kind of going forward. Um, but where does it come from? Why did that change start happening? And I, I think there was an evolution that occurred. And it might be just a quantity of children that wanted to play was becoming overwhelming for some organizations and was becoming overwhelming for some coaches. Um, and so now all of a sudden new teams have to start up. New teams have to, oh, there's more kids interested. I have to start another team. I have to start another team. And before you know it, you know, we end up with, you know, I don't know, 70 some teams at a certain age group at all levels. And how does a parent or a coach or a manager or a player, how do they navigate that? How do they know what team they should be playing on? And I would like to argue again, back to my get off my lawn. I'm an old guy. Um, you know, it was better in the past. <clears throat> back to that mentality. It was you play for the team that is geographically closest to you. And some of you listening might be saying, that's what I do. That's the only option for me. I live in a more remote area of the state or the country or the continent. And there's only one team to play on that is within a logical driving distance. Good for you. Hopefully you have good coaches. Hopefully you have great organizations and hopefully you get to go and travel and, and play against other really good teams. Hopefully you are developing as a player and in, you know, you look at 
maybe not so much recently, but you look at some of the older players at the at the highest levels of hockey that today, a lot of them came from really small towns. And as they got older and older and older, and it started to get recognized that their skills were at a different level, a lot of times their parents would be, okay, this is, you know, this is a potential game changer. We've reached a point where, you know, we're done here. Sometimes even the coaches are saying, you're too good for this team. You need to move on. You need to go find a a Toronto or a Detroit or a Chicago team to go play for, uh, a Minnesota team to go play for. Um, and, and parents will uproot themselves to go fulfill that dream and continue to push that very special talent of a player into a different realm. And, and I think that's okay. That right. That's a, that's a parental decision. That's something that the coaches, um, have recognized. This is a special talent. This kid can go places. Let's support them in that move that they need to be challenged and have teammates that are just at that different level. That's a, that's a generational talent kind of comment. Um, and it's rare. So skip those, right? Maybe one out of every 20 teams has somebody like that. So let's just not pretend that my kid or your kid is that generational talent type, type, you know, Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, Alex Ovechkin, you know, you name it type of player. Those are, those are special people that I think are just born with something unique in their brains. I don't know what it is. So we're not going to talk about those. But if you're in an area where, like myself, I'm about the same distance from five different rinks. Each five of those rinks has a different organization, different sets of teams. Some have one team, some have two, three, four, five, six teams that play and my son's age group at those rinks. So even just for my son, I'm geographically equidistant from probably 15 teams. So now what do I do? How do, how do, how do I, as a parent decide where should my kid play? What should my kid be doing? Um, and, and for me, the answer is very simple. I really have to put on my big boy hat and say that I don't care about the wins. I don't want zero wins because that's just deflating. And I don't want to win every game. That's equally as deflating. So if you take those two extremes off the plate, most teams are not going to align themselves to play other teams, tournaments, leagues, whatever it may be, so that they come out with zero wins. Nope, nobody's going to do that on purpose. If you find out that you're losing every game, you're going to you're you're going to go find a tournament, a lower level team, something to go boost the ego of the players, boost the mentality in the locker room, just get everybody back to having fun. It's not fun to lose by double digits. Been there, done that. It's just not fun. I will say it's equally not as fun to win by double digits. It's just really not. And it gets to the point where, especially at the younger ages, you feel really bad for the goalie. You feel really bad for the players on the other team. You you have to pull back on those. I think that's just good sportsmanship. There is no benefit 
in youth hockey to win by double digits. There's no benefit to it. If you win 9 nothing, that's damaging enough to all of those kids on the losing team. And the kids on the winning team, some of them have the right emotions to think, I feel bad. I don't feel good. I didn't have fun. Maybe the first period was fun because we got up 3 nothing. Maybe the second period was fun because we, you know, played with the puck a little bit, got to change positions. Coach had us, you know, rotating around a little bit to try to do some other things. So that was fun. And the third period, it starts to suck a little bit. No matter which team you're on, it just doesn't feel good. So long story short, got off on a tangent there. We need to focus in on player development. I follow a lot of hockey stuff on social media. And there's a really strong trend in avoiding teams that talk about development, right? Because teams are getting to the point where they're turning into a marketing engine and they're picking up on the buzzwords and they're throwing them out there to get kids to their tryouts and they're throwing it out there to try to wrangle in these superstars to their team so they start getting the W's. And it's just wrong. And it puts a stink on real player development. Find coaches that have a history and a track record of building better players. Where did the players go from the first time they had this coach to the second, third, fourth year that they may have had this coach? What happened to the players? And if you want to, what happened to the team? That's fine too. You can look at a team that went, you know, 10 and 30. And then the next year, keeping most of the same players, mind you, same coaching staff. Next year, they go 20 and 20. And then the next year, they win a district championship. And the next year, they win a league championship. And then the last year, they go to states and win a state championship and go off to nationals and maybe, you know, come in third. If the players on that team were pretty much the same throughout, again, I'm okay. You're going to rotate one or two or three. That's fine. Cool. Do it. But if the core of that team has stayed the same and the players that started on that team and only put up maybe 10 wins and maybe struggled a little bit and maybe that coach made some adjustments and in that second year they made a big leap. And then the third year, they made a big leap again. Why do you think that those parents and those players stayed after only a 10 win season? Do you think it's because they had nowhere else to go? Because I've been in that situation. I just got done saying I have 15 teams in the same distance that I could go to at any point in time, try out for, hopefully make, not me again, my, my kid, but, um, there's no, there's no incentive for me to stay if my kid isn't getting better. It's not wins. It's beginning of the season. How is my child performing? How is his skating? How is his shooting? Um, you know, what, some of his personal growth and, and, and is he, is he talking more on the ice, right? You get into the body contact ages. 
Is he initiating body contact? Is he initiating defensive and offensive body contact? Is he protecting himself? Is he protecting the puck? And yeah, I'm going to say it. Is he gaining possession? And is he maintaining possession of the puck? At the beginning of the season and the end of the season, is he a different player? Because when you bring in those superstars, they're probably marginally a little better just from having played at the end of the season. My child is not a superstar. Most of you listening, your child's not a superstar. I know I probably just broke your heart, but they're not. But are they getting better and are they having fun? Ask them flat out, do you enjoy your coach or coaches? Who's your favorite coach? Ask those questions. Find out what's in the child's head. Because sometimes they'll surprise you. And you may overhear, man, that coach is really tough and rough. But when you ask your child, they're like, yeah, I get it. He's really pushing me hard and, uh, you know, it's probably what I need. That's good, right? Because every player develops differently under a different coaching style. Everybody has a different learning style. Take the hockey out of it and just talk learning styles. Everybody has a different learning style. And so until you know what kind of coaching you need and what style resonates in your brain that you actually want to get better, get better, see that you're getting better, are recognized for being better, then you know you found a good coach. And you stay with that coach. Please stay with that coach. Stay with them as long as you can. You will continue to get better. If you find yourself not getting better, okay, fine. Maybe now it's time to, to, you know, to look around and, and see what else is out there. But you, it, it, a one year and then you switch teams and then one year and then you switch teams and then one year and then you switch teams. You're just chasing your tail. So let's get into the parent craziness a little bit. Hockey parents, sometimes it's jersey chasing. Sometimes they're chasing their own dreams through, you know, kind of vicariously through their children. I'm probably guilty of that myself. My son has made it further than I ever did in, in, in hockey. Um, way better than I was when I was his age. And yeah, that's exciting for me. I'm going to admit that right here live on the air. Um, that's exciting for me to watch him grow and watch him get better than me. Um, it was a, uh, a joke for about two years, starting about three years ago. He was confident enough that he was better than me. And we'd do a little one-on-one -on -one or we would do something. And, and you know, it, it was just a size issue. I wasn't way bigger than him to a point where, you know, the reach, the, you know, the hardness of the shot, quickness of a shot, you know, getting my body in between me and the, him and the puck and he couldn't get it from me. And, you know, I could still beat him. I can't anymore. I'm willing to say that right now. I can no longer beat him. And so now the, the, the tide changes a little bit for me. And I'm, does that mean that I'm one of the crazy parents? I hope not. Um, 
I think we've found a good coach for him that's helping him grow and helping him get better. And I think that's important. Um, he has a dream to play high school hockey. I want him to develop so that he becomes a high school hockey player and he can reach that dream of, of playing high school hockey. Good for him. I hope he reaches that dream. I hope he pushes himself to reach that dream. And I hope I don't push him too much to reach that dream. Other parents, if you're out here listening to me right now, it's a difficult balance of pushing your child, pushing your personal agenda, and just flat out being annoying. Can we please not be annoying parents? You do not need to talk to the coach every day. You don't need special secret one-on-one sessions with the coach to talk about your kid and how to develop your kid. Coaches have, if you've never been a coach, and hopefully some of you listening are coaches, but if you've never been a coach, coaches have a very interesting balance when coaching children. And I have an education background. I have coached for many years. I've been around children my entire life. And there's a very delicate balance there between I know what your child needs and knowing what the parents think their child needs. And and I think that's just, that's rough. Um, And so there's, there's an opportunity, I think, for us as parents to make a decision at the beginning of the season to entrust our children to a coach and let it go. Let the coach do their job unless they are doing something illegal or unethical or completely completely blatant, horrible disregard for coaching. Let the coach do their job. You don't need to bother the coach. The coaches need to focus on the team and the children, not the parents. And that's where I think managers come in. This might be kind of weird for some of you to hear because I know not all areas of the of the country and not all teams and not all leagues and, and such um, use the idea of a team manager. Um, but it's pretty popular around here where a team manager is in charge of things like picking, you know, uh, uh, collecting ice bills and managing the finances of the team and making sure that as a nonprofit organization, hopefully, um, you are properly managing the funds. You have to pay for refs. You have to pay for tournaments. You have to pay for ice. You have to pay for jerseys and all these other kinds of things. It's just, it's just a big money mess. And a manager has an important job with the finances. Some teams even have a finance manager separate from team manager. The other job of a manager is to get, um, you know, schedule ice time, schedule games, schedule tournaments. So be the scheduler as well. The third thing is manage the parents. I've never been a manager. I never want to be a manager because they have to be the interface with the parents. And when it comes to tryouts and when it comes to doing things that are, you know, team related and, you know, really kind of uh, help form the identity of the team, managers have a tough job to do. They're working with the coaching staff to find, okay, what are you looking for? What do you want? Who do you like? Who do you not like? And, you know, they're scheduling the tryouts and collecting money for the tryouts. We'll talk about that in a second, too. 
Um, and it just, it gets a little hectic. And I think that um, parents don't give the proper respect to the manager and don't give the proper respect to the manager-coach relationship. And again, not all of those relationships are great and perfect. And sometimes, oh, it's my buddy from whatever. And, you know, um, they do things that aren't right. Nobody's perfect. There are bad people in this world. I just hope none of them are in hockey. Um, but they're, they're, they're just, there are right. And, um, anyway, as parents, we need to try to interact through the manager. And if you're going to a tryout and you're entering crazy mode in crazy season and you walk into a rink and there's 35 parents all standing there chirping at the manager, trying to figure out how to get their little Johnny on the team please understand that that's really not his job. His job is to get you there. And then it's your child's job to make the team. It's not the parent's job to make the team. And managers and coaches do make parent cuts. They will not, there there are plenty of examples I've been through personally. You know what, your kid's pretty good. You're a nut job. I don't want you on this team because you're going to poison the stands you're going to poison the other parents and you're going to create the stress on this team that we don't want. And that is what I was talking about at the beginning. Hockey needs to be better. We as parents need to be better. Okay. Just because it's crazy season doesn't give us the right to act crazier than we already are. Be smart, find a good coach, find a good team, have your kid work hard and earn his or her spot on that team. You really, once you earn that spot, it's really just work hard. Try to teach your kids that we can't do things for them. We can't get them on the team. We can't keep them on the team. I'm sure there's examples of parents shelling out some money to keep their kid on the team. That's just unethical. Can we, can we not do that, please? But have instill that hockey grit in your player. Say you like this team. You like this coach. You work hard to stay on it. Just keep working hard and be a good listener. They talk about being coachable, be coachable, be a good listener, grow, be better, get better, do better. And if they, if the coaches are doing their jobs, get ready for it. I'm going to do it again. They are going to coach you on how to gain possession and keep possession. So gain possession of those teams. Gain possession of a position on those teams. Gain possession of a the respect of a good coaching staff. And that's how we're going to be better hockey players and better hockey parents and better hockey coaches and better hockey managers. That's it for this episode of the Gaining Possession Hockey Podcast. See you next time.